Scripture today is from Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 17. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day to all mothers out there. You know, as I think about the Mother's Day, I think about the mothers I've seen in their fierce, pure, intense, jealous love that they have for their children. And I think that that love is the greatest earthly human example we have of God's fierce, pure, intense, jealous love for us. So thank you to all you mothers who have been an example to me and to all of us of what incredible love God has for us. Thank you. Well, it was seemed like a pretty normal Tuesday morning. Started pretty normally anyway. I got my daughter in the car. We were off to junior high, went and picked up her friend. And so I was taking them to school. Her friend said, by the way, did you watch the news this morning? And I said, said no and she said well some planes flew into the World Trade Center so I hurried and dropped them off and went back and like many of us spent the next few hours glued to the TV as I watched in horror as the twin towers of the World Trade Center collapsed it was a definitive moment in American history because of how it changed our perceptions about life. For the first time, many of us realized that we are at war. We have an enemy who is out to destroy us. And this enemy is powerful. It is able to do us harm. But this enemy is invisible, working behind the scenes, hard to find, hard to pin down. And perhaps most significant on that day, we discovered that we are vulnerable to the attacks of this unseen enemy. Well, the war in terrorism has been engaged now for almost 10 years since that day. We'll be celebrating, if you call it a celebration, the anniversary of that soon. And though Osama bin Laden was killed this week, in a victory against terrorism, yet we know that the war is not over, that the battle will go on. So we must stay on our guard. Well, our passage today 
that was just read to you is meant to be a 9-11 wake-up call to Christians today. For us to wake up to the fact of the reality that we are engaged in a war. We have an enemy who is out to destroy us. And this enemy is unseen to us. But he is powerful. He wants to destroy us. And if we aren't prepared, we will be blindsided by Satan and left crippled because the truth is we are vulnerable. So how can we be prepared? How can we stand against the onslaughts of the devil and his demons? We dare not take our enemy lightly. Well, this passage will help us, so let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, as we approach this passage on spiritual warfare, we are aware that you are sovereign. You have defeated the enemy. And yet we recognize that we're vulnerable to his attacks. We pray that today you would open our eyes to the reality of the battle, that we would understand the enemy, but most of all we would learn what it means to be strong in you and to put on the full armor of God, that we might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Teach us today by the power of your Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just to set the context again, I want to remind you we have our banner, Sit, Walk, Stand. We've been studying through the book of Ephesians this year, and the first three chapters tell us we are secure in Christ. He has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He's adopted us. He's called us. He's placed us in Him, seated us at the right hand of the Father. That's where we are. That's our security. That's our identity. Chapters 1 through 3. Then 4, chapter 4 through chapter 6, verse 9, we talked about what it means to walk worthy of the calling with we, which we've been called in purity, in unity as the body of Christ, learning to submit to one another in the fear of Christ. Now we're beginning the last section, the stand where we are called to stand firm in Him. If all this is true, then we are called to stand firm in the face of the battles we face as believers. So I want to begin by talking a bit about understanding the devil's schemes. It will help us to understand how to fight this battle, how to put on the armor if we understand the devil's schemes. You see, Paul wants us to understand some things about the enemy we face. He is real. Don't let anyone tell you that Satan isn't real, that the devil doesn't exist. He does. He does. And we are at war. He wants to destroy us. He wants to destroy all Christians. Everyone, when they take up Christ as their Savior and Lord, becomes a target of the enemy. You can't avoid it. <laughs> okay? So we are all engaged in this warfare. We're told in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In chapter 2 of Ephesians, it says this, 
You were dead in your trespasses and sins, that's verse 1, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan, of the spirit that's now working in the sons of disobedience. Every one of us, before we came to Christ, were whether we recognized it or not, were under the power of the prince of the air. Satan himself who controls unbelievers. Again, not whether they're aware of it or not. He's there. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. Beginning of verse 25, it says, If you're the Lord's bondservant, you are with gentleness to correct those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him, to do his will. Every unbeliever is held captive by him to do his will. That's the reality, folks. And every believer is under attack by Satan. Spiritual warfare is not just for missionaries, often tribal areas where they're fighting witch doctors and the occult and there's demon possession and so forth. Spiritual warfare is not just for them. For every one of us who have taken the name of Christ, we become targets of the enemy. Something every believer faces. Now, some places, Satan does choose to possess unbelievers. Even in America, there are clear demonic manifestations. But most often, Satan likes to work in much more subtle ways here in America. In fact, he would just as soon we not even think he exists. And that's why he's so powerful here. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Screwtape Letters, in his preface, says this, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist, read American, or a magician with the same delight. I like the way Keith Green put it in his song, No One Believes in Me Anymore, where he says, I used to have to sneak around speaking for Satan, but now they just open their doors. You know, no one's watching for my tricks since no one believes in me anymore. Everyone likes a winner. With my help, you're guaranteed to win. And hey, man, you ain't no sinner. No, you've got the truth within. And as your life slips by, you believe the lie that you did it on your own. But don't worry. I'll be there to help you share our dark, eternal home our dark, eternal home. Well, I'm gaining power by the hour. They're falling by the score. You know, it's getting very easy now since no one believes in me anymore. Believe me, he's there. And those are the words of Paul, that the devil is real, and our real battle is not against people, he says. Let me read that verse again to you. For our struggle, verse 12, is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's not even against the isms of this world, communism, liberalism, postmodernism, etc. 
But our battle is against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, the schemes of the devil. That's who our battle is against. Satan would love for us to think that the real enemy is a world leader, a president, a vice president, Congress, that person you're having a conflict with, and that's who you should be angry at. But Paul's saying very clearly, no, that is not who the true battle is against. We are in a spiritual war. We tend to blame others or ourselves even for our struggles. And yes, we have choices to make and we do sin, we choose sin. And we're not, I'm not taking away responsibility. Don't hear, the devil made me do it. But Satan is real and he will use those tendencies we have to try to live life on our own independently from God to attack us because those are the places where we are most vulnerable so how does Satan and the word Satan by the way the name means adversary or enemy how does our enemy attack us most often here in America and to be honest he's not very creative the schemes of the devil, that word schemes is methodeia, where we get our word method. The schemes of the devil, the methods of the devil have been pretty consistent throughout history. He's not very creative. So as we talk about his methods of attacks, I think we'll see it's pretty consistent over time. I think it's most helpful for me to understand the way he attacks by thinking about the names he is called in Scripture. He is called the tempter. The tempter. He attacks through temptation. Temptation doesn't come from God. That's made clear in the book of James. It comes from the enemy. And he especially loves to attack us in areas of besetting sin. In other words, sins where you have struggled a lot, consistently you failed in. He knows those vulnerable areas of sin. He's the tempter. You'll have a thought come to you from outside. Give in to this fantasy. Think this way about this woman. Go to the refrigerator and eat. Think of the person you're angry at and hold on to that resentment. Those are the attacks of the evil one. We tend to think, oh, this battle this temptation is for me and we feel like we've got to battle it we've got to win over it etc but when you realize it's from the enemy then you could say Lord I don't need to think that get away from me in the name of Jesus leave I don't have to think that the enemy's a tempter he wants us to give in to those sins of eating lust pride selfishness anger and he wants you to think it's coming from you that sense that I need to feel better now. So we look to whatever anesthetizes us from the pain of life. Men tend to give in to anger or lust. Women maybe to food or fear or words of gossip or thoughts of criticism. Resentment, we all give in to resentment, anger. These are just some, but... If we recognize they're from the tempter, we recognize they're from outside us and we're able to say, no, I don't have to give in to that. I can dismiss that temptation. 
He's also the deceiver and the liar. Jesus calls him that. He twists the truth. He wants you to believe lies about God, about others, about yourself. You're an idiot. When you think that about yourself, where's that coming from? Or about somebody else? (laughs) That thought that comes in. Why did you say that? God must be angry at you, these thoughts. God must be angry. That's why he's blessing other people, but not you. You're not good enough. You've blown it one too many times. God couldn't love you. Where are those thoughts coming from? They're fiery arrows of the evil one. And if you realize that, then you can say, no, get away from me. Here's the truth, what God says about me. God must be angry at you. That's why he's punishing you. That's why you have it so hard. That's a lie. We need to recognize who it's from. You're the one giving and serving all the time in this marriage. Your spouse does nothing. You deserve to feel better now. You deserve more than what you're getting in this marriage. Where's that lie coming from? It's from the evil one. Again, we have an enemy who is out to get us. And we need to recognize those kinds of lies and deceit are not from God. They're from the enemy. And we can reject them as Satan. One of the greatest lies is you need to pursue happiness above everything else. I need to be happy. That's a lie. Those who pursue happiness end up unhappy and living in destruction, ultimately. Life comes from pursuing him. That's the truth. So Satan is a deceiver. He's a liar. He's also called the slanderer or accuser. You're a terrible person. God couldn't love you or forgive you for what you've done. You're beyond his love. You're beyond his forgiveness. You're beyond his help. Feelings of deep regret, waves of guilt, rejection that you can't get past, deep fear that grips your soul. These are fiery darts of the evil one, folks. He is the slanderer, the accuser, the one who wants to make you think you don't deserve God's love. Well, of course we don't deserve God's love, but we're covered by his love. And that's how we deal with it is remind ourselves of the truth that I am secure in his love because of the cross of Christ. Don't have to earn it. So we remind ourselves of of the truth. Satan will attack us with these kinds of lies, deceit, slanders. You know, as soon as I knew I was going to be preaching on spiritual warfare, I knew this would be a hard week. Well, it began really quickly, right after second service last week. Literally, I got done preaching and I felt this overwhelming wave of condemnation. The sense that I was a complete failure in ministry, my Christian life. But because I was prepared, I was able to say, whoa, wait a minute, where's that coming from? I mean, there have been times where I felt that after ministry, after teaching or whatever, and it's knocked me down for two or three days. But I was able to say, well, wait a minute, that is not true, that's a lie. It doesn't mean I can't improve and grow in my ministry, etc. Lord, help me to do that, but I'm secure in you. I have life in you. 
And overall, it was not an easy week, and I woke up at 3.45 this morning. Not surprising. Not sure why I woke up, but all of a sudden I had these thoughts that were just evil thoughts. But again, I just had to say, okay, Lord, I know this is not from you. You are Lord, and I just began focusing on the Lord and thanking him and praising him for all the things I appreciate about who God is. And you know what? The thought was gone. We're told over and over again in the scriptures, resist the devil and he will flee from you. He has no real power over us. But we need to recognize those lies that come, the deceit, the slander, the accusations that hit us that are from him. Another name that he has called in Scripture is the murderer. You see, Satan wants to destroy. He wants to destroy our faith. He wants to destroy and murder our love for others. He wants to kill our fellowship with others in the body of Christ. He wants to destroy God's spiritual life in us. And one of the primary ways he loves to attack us is in relationship struggles with other believers. He wants us to be eaten up by resentment and anger at one another. That's what he delights in, probably more than anything other than doubting God and his love. Right back here in chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 26. Be angry and yet do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil a foothold. You see, when we hold on to anger and resentment, sometimes we get hurt, right? People hurt us and we get angry. But he says, deal with it. Don't sin. Deal with it before God because when you let it live, it gives Satan a foothold. He gets his foot in the door so he can begin to use that to drive a wedge between you and others and destroy relationships. He's a murderer who wants to kill our fellowship with one another. Now I want you to note these attacks, again, he's not very creative. These are the exact same ones he used with Adam and Eve at the very beginning. Genesis chapter 3. When he came and he began telling lies to Eve and trying to convince her that she couldn't trust God that he was holding out on her. He was deceitful. He was lying. He was slandering God. He got them to attack each other, Adam and Eve, and blame each other for what was going on. Ultimately, the foundation of what Satan wants to do is get us to believe that God is not good and cannot be trusted with our lives. What he wants is a lot of Christians who are afraid to step out and live in this battle saying no to Satan because we're afraid to trust God, because life's hard and therefore God must be against us somehow. Those are lies, folks, from Satan. These are the ways that Satan works, the methods he uses in our lives. But what's the truth? Truth is, he's powerful, but he's limited. The testimony of Scripture is that he has always been limited. Think back to Job, even in the Old Testament. Job could not be attacked by Satan. Satan could do nothing to him without permission from the sovereign Lord of the universe. And that's Old Testament. But we're told that in the New Testament that when Jesus went to the cross, he was defeated. Satan was defeated. He has very little power anymore. In Colossians chapter 2, 
beautiful passage. Starting in verse uh, 13, When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, past, present, future, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. You see, anything you could ever be accused of has been nailed to the cross forever. And so any accusation from Satan, you can dismiss. It's been nailed to the cross. Verse 15, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, same word as used, words as used in our passage in Ephesians 6, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. The cross defeated the power for every Christian, the power of Satan for every Christian. We've been set free. Yes, Satan still exercises power over an unbelieving world, but no real power over believers. Therefore, we're told several times in this passage to stand firm. Keep standing firm. Stand firm. Hold our ground. You see, we're standing on conquered ground. Your soul, your heart, has already been conquered by Jesus. The victory is won. You are his. And so Satan's shooting from a distance these fiery darts trying to mess you up, but the reality is we're just to stand firm, resist the devil, and he'll flee with you because he has no power over you. Amen? Amen. It's true. And ultimately, he will be defeated when Christ returns at the second coming forever and ever and be cast into the lake of fire, the eternal lake of fire. That'll be the end of any influence that he'll ever have. So our strategy in the fight, what do we do? He tells us in this passage, there's two major commands besides stand firm. This is how we stand firm. Two commands. He begins in verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. How do we fight? Well, I just want you to note something here. It's be strong, put on the armor of God. That's how we fight. He doesn't say anything about exorcising the demons, casting out demons. He doesn't say anything about you need a deliverance ministry to deal with Satan in your life as a believer. Now, I'm not saying those unbelievers who have tampered in the occult, paganism, certain things, haven't given access to their lives and they may need to be prayed over in the name of Jesus to deal with the direct influence of demons in their lives. But for us as Christians, there's nothing about that. Believers are not told to have some kind of deliverance ministry. In fact, if you really think about casting out demons, if you really look at how many times it happens in Scripture, Jesus, in all four Gospels, in all the years of his ministry, there's only six actual examples and this is when the Son of God had entered the world and there was tremendous spiritual warfare. In the book of Acts, there is only one actual example of a deliverance casting out a demon. And that was by Paul in chapter 16 of the book of Acts. There's other descriptions that it happened in the disciples, but there's no actual examples. Why? Because we don't need to do that as believers. What we need to do, first of all, is be strong in the Lord. Be strong. Get strong. Continually be strong 
And notice it's in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Okay? Whose strength? It's His. It's not ours. It's not ours. If we think it comes from us, we're going to be in trouble. (laughs) It doesn't come from us. It's His might. It's His strength. Our strength is entirely from Him. And so we're told to be strong in the Lord, to continually get our strength from Him. It's that time of year where we start working in the yard. I have a hedge trimmer, electric hedge trimmer. And you know what? If I take that out without plugging it in and try to cut branches, it really doesn't work very well. You know, I can sort of gnaw at them, but I have no power to deal with those branches. But if I plug it in, that thing has the power to cut through those branches like butter. You see, unless we stay plugged into the Lord, abide in Him, as Jesus said in, Acts, or in John chapter 15, I'm the vine, you're the branches, abide in me. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you want to be strong in the Lord, folks, you have to, have to abide in Him. There's no power, no strength, no effectiveness unless you're plugged into Him. And there's, it's especially true in spiritual warfare. I like the passage in Acts chapter 19. You remember, may remember it, where some Jewish exorcists wanted to try to cast out demons. And so the seven sons of Sceva challenged, and they said, well, uh, in the God that Paul worships, you know, in Jesus... Uh, We want to cast out demons. And the demons said, Well, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but I don't know about you. And the demons attacked these seven sons, and they ran out naked and bleeding. And everybody was afraid at that point because they realized we have no power in ourselves. It's in Him. And we have to stay plugged into Him in our knowledge of Him and trusting Him and knowing Him. How do we do that? How do we be strong in the Lord? Well, You know, it goes back to the same old things, folks. Reading the Word, prayer, fellowship. You want to be strong in the Lord? You want to be able to handle the attacks of Satan? It all comes down to that. Reading the Word, consistent prayer and fellowship. Why do you think it's so hard for you to spend time reading the Word consistently and really praying, entering into prayer? Why do you think it's so hard? You think Satan wants you to be doing that? (laughs) It's spiritual attack. So you need to understand it as that and choose to be disciplined and be strong in the Lord so you can handle the secret attacks of Satan. You must stay in relationship with him and... Think about those Navy SEALs who entered the compound this last week and killed bin Laden. Do you think they just got recruited and somebody said, hey, we got, you know, you, oh, you want to be in the military? Well, yeah, come on, get on the helicopter and we're going to take you and, you know, we've got this big operation. No, they spent months, maybe years in training, preparation to be able to do what they did for the one battle that they faced. And folks, being strong in the Lord is built over time. It takes a lifestyle. 
You've got to be consistently abiding in Him. That, there's no other way. And it's doing it day by day that builds up the strength so when the attack comes, you're able to handle it. There is no other way. Satan is too much for you alone. But you and God are far more than enough. Far more than enough. So be strong in the Lord. It's got to be consistent. It's got to begin now. Secondly, how do we fight? Put on the full armor of God, Paul tells us. Twice he tells us that. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so you will be able to stand firm. Verse 13, take up the full armor of God so you will be able to resist in the evil day. Put on, he says, take up the full armor of God. Notice it's the full armor. You can't leave anything out. Satan knows your areas of vulnerability. He knows where you're weak and those holes, those chinks are where he will try to attack you with his flaming arrows. And notice it's the armor of God. It's not our armor. It's not something we create or do by working hard or create it somehow, fix or work it up. It's a gift from Him and we simply take it on. In a sense, the picture I get is He's wearing the armor and we just kind of climb in with Him and we experience His protection. It's His armor. The quotes, and I, this is reinforced, I think, by the quotes that Paul has in this section. Um, a lot of these pieces of armor he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 11 and Isaiah chapter 59. And if you went back and read those passages, I encourage you to do so. Who is wearing the armor in those passages? Jesus himself, the Messiah. It's his armor. It's not ours. It's his armor. The battle belongs to the Lord, as we just sang. So every piece of armor is what he is truly his. He's given you in Christ. That's how we fight the battle. Now, it's not what you have to create yourself. It's simply taking up what he's already given you. He's sharing that armor with you. So let's talk through the pieces of armor. There's the belt of truth. Roman soldier had a belt. That belt held his sword, his weapon, but it also was a belt that when he entered battle, he would tuck his robe so it wouldn't be in the way, so he would be free to run and battle freely. The belt of truth. What does truth provide for us? How do we take that up? It's a reminder that Jesus is the truth. Satan wants you to believe that, well, there's lots of other truths, lots of other ways to God. There's a lot of... Uh, that's Satan. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Satan wants you to think you can't trust God's word as truth. But to take up the armor, the belt of truth, is to say, no, Lord, I believe you are the truth. You've shown me the truth, and I'm going to seek you as the truth. The breastplate of righteousness, which for a Roman soldier covered the front and the back, was the full breastplate, covers the vital organs. What does it mean to take that up? To remind you that your righteousness doesn't come from you doing it right. But it's a gift from Him. I am righteous in Christ. Lord, when I feel those attacks, those accusations, that I'm a terrible person, that I've failed, 
that I'm nothing, etc., to say, no, my righteousness is in Christ because He is righteous. Therefore, I am claiming that as true. That is taking up the breastplate of righteousness. I am righteous by faith in Christ. I cannot be condemned. In fact, God delights in me just as I am. That's taking up the breastplate of righteousness. The foot covers of the gospel of peace. The shoes for a Roman soldier were sandals, but they had a little foot cover so you couldn't be hit with a sword there and, and uh, taken away your, your effectiveness. And those sandals often had uh, traction on the bottom to give you stability in the battle and traction. Satan tries to take away our peace through feelings of guilt and conflict. God's angry with you to create conflict with one another, etc. But to take up the shoes of the gospel of peace or to say, no, the gospel covers me. I have peace with God because of the gospel, because of my faith in what you have done for me. So I take that up by faith. The shield of faith. Satan throws flaming arrows of doubt, guilt, lust, selfishness, pride, but to begin to recognize those and say, no, I'm taking up the shield of faith. Lord, my faith is in you. And I believe that you have conquered Satan. I do not have to give in to this thought, this feeling, and live by it. I choose to believe what you say by faith in you. The helmet of salvation. Satan loves to throw darts at us. You're not really saved. God's angry with you. You aren't good enough. Salvation depends on you doing it right and you have not succeeded. That's Satan speaking. But the helmet of salvation says, my salvation is secure in Jesus. I put my faith in Him. Therefore, I'm trusting in salvation that was given to me as a gift. And one day I will be totally pure and holy in His presence when He returns. My redemption is secure. My salvation is secure. And by faith, I'm claiming that. Are you beginning to see that Satan's attacks are just from outside and, and the way to battle him is simply remind yourself of the truth. Live in the truth of what God has done for you. That's the way to defeat him. Finally, the sword of the Spirit, which he says is the Word of God. That's to look for God's truth in every situation. To know the Word Look for God, how God is speaking into every battle, everything. Lord, what are you saying here? What's the truth here? I'm going to take up what you say as the truth in this battle. And I'm going to listen to your voice, not the voice of the enemy. Folks, Satan is real. We are at war. Don't be fooled into thinking he's not. And he's happy, Satan is happy to keep us preoccupied with selfishness, with trying to be happy, living for material things. But God is calling us into battle and to stand our ground for Christ and in His strength. And I guarantee you, if you choose to enter the battle, to be strong, to put on the armor of God, it will not be easy, but you will have all you need to defeat the enemy. Praise God for that. In Ephesians 1.3, at the beginning of the book, he says, Thanks be to God. Blessed be God who has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Essentially what Paul's saying about taking up the armor, he's saying remind yourself of what God has done in adopting you, saving you, redeeming you, 
protecting you, all for his glory. Here's where the rubber meets the road, folks. Chapter 1 through 3, we're seated with him. But to stand, we have to remember those things and apply them in the battle of life. When we face spiritual attack, which is every day, will we hang on to the truths of what God has done for us, that he has saved us and brought truth, righteousness, peace, and salvation to us? Will we stand firm, be strong in the Lord, and resist the devil? And it's promised, if we do so, he will flee from us. I want to close with a prayer by John Eldridge as he prays through this passage from the book Wild at Heart, each part of it, he says, Stand firm with the belt of truth. Lord, I put on the belt of truth. I choose a lifestyle of honesty and integrity. Show me the truths I so desperately need today. Expose the lies I'm not even aware that I'm believing. The breastplate of righteousness Yes, Lord, I wear your righteousness today against all condemnation and corruption. Fit me with your holiness and purity. Defend me from all assaults against my heart. The foot covers of the gospel of peace. I do choose to live for the gospel at any moment. Show me where the larger story is unfolding and keep me from being so lax that I think the most important thing today is the soap opera's of this world. The shield of faith. Jesus, I, live, I lift against every lie and every assault the confidence that you are good and that you have good in store for me. Nothing is coming today that can overcome me because you are with me. The helmet of salvation. Thank you, Lord, for my salvation. I receive it in a new and fresh way from you. And I declare that nothing can separate me now from the love of Christ and the place I shall ever have in your kingdom. And the sword of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, show me specifically today the truths of the word of God that I will need to counter the assaults and the snares of the enemy. Bring them to mind throughout the day. Amen.